Hey guys, what's up? It's Savannah. Welcome back to my channel and welcome back to another episode of the Killer Instincts podcast. Today's case is one that is really just, I think it's really interesting because it's an unsolved case. It happened about 20 years ago and to this day, there are no leads to this case. I've seen a couple other YouTubers cover this case and people who do podcasts, a lot of people have covered this case, but I think that because it is still unsolved, so I think for that reason, it's still really important to talk about it and keep her name alive live and today we are talking about Asia Degree. Aisha Degree was born on August 5th of 1990. She lived with her parents, Harold and Akilla, as well as her brother, O'Brien. All four of them lived in Shelby, North Carolina at the time. Aisha's parents really made sure that her and her brother grew up in a really just like healthy household as far as like having their priorities in check and raising them to just be overall really good people. Aisha's parents really made sure that her and her brother were really focused on their schoolwork and they always went to church all the time. And Aisha's parents knew the, the reality of what was outside their doors, outside of their house, and what the outside world was as far as the dangers that can come from it. So they really wanted to make sure that their kids were focused on the right things. So Aisha was a nine-year-old girl and she was a very sweet nine-year-old girl. She listened to her parents. She never really caused any trouble or any problems. She was a pretty shy and reserved kid. She was also described to be very cautious and she was very aware of her surroundings at all times. But unfortunately, everything changed on February 14th of 2000. So let's talk about the days leading up to her disappearance. So the days leading up to February 14th, Aisha's school actually had a three-day weekend. So they had a long weekend, and unfortunately, Aisha's parents both had to work the day that O'Brien and Aisha were off of school. So her parents had sent her and her brother to go hang out at her aunt's house. Her aunt lived right across the street. So they just went over to the house and spent the day there and then went to basketball practice later that night. Aisha really, really loved basketball. She was super excited to be a part of the team. She was a point guard, and their first game was on February 12th, and Aisha was so excited for this game. She was really looking forward to it. Her and her teammates were super excited. But unfortunately, though, Aisha's team lost their basketball game. So Aisha afterwards was really, really upset, really disappointed. Her and some of her other teammates actually were crying after the game because they were so upset. But Aisha seemed to be able to kind of get over it fairly quickly. O'Brien had a game pretty soon after her and she seemed completely fine right when O'Brien's game started and so everyone kind of thought that she just gotten over it and it was fine and it was no big deal. Kids sometimes at that age especially as you I'm sure know like they get super passionate about things and then they just get super disappointed when it doesn't turn out to go their way and they can get super upset about it but at the same time when it comes to kids too they tend to get over things fairly quickly and so that's what seemed to have happened to Aisha. So that next day was Sunday, February 13th, and it started as any other day would in the Degree household. They went to church, they went back home, they hung out at the house as a family, and then Harold had to go work a night shift for his job and wasn't expected to be back until later that night, pretty late actually, and so Harold left that night to go out to work, and then Aisha and her brother were put to bed at around 8 p.m. that night. So that night in particular, there was a huge rainstorm. It was raining really, really hard outside, so much so that it caused a car crash near the Degree household, and it caused the power to go out in their neighborhood. But after about an hour, the power turned back on, and Harold, who got off of work at 11.30, didn't end up getting home until about 12.30 because of the traffic that was caused by this rain. 
So when Harold got home at about 12.30, the first thing that he did was he went and checked on O'Brien and Aisha, who shared a room at the time, and they were both sleeping in the room, so he thought everything was fine. And because he worked a late night shift, and when you get home at 12.30, like, your sleep schedule is all messed up to begin with. So Harold kind of stayed up for a little bit. He watched some TV. He hung out at the house before going to bed at around 2.30. Before he went to bed, he went back into Aisha and O'Brien's room and checked on them one last time, and then he went to bed for the night. So February 14th, obviously is Valentine's Day and Valentine's Day was a very big deal in the Degree household because it was Harold and Akilah's wedding anniversary as well as it just being Valentine's Day in general so it was a really happy day in their household and so Akilah woke up especially early she woke up at about 5 45 she did this so she could get a little bit of a head start on her day. And in doing that, she went and turned the shower on for the kids and didn't end up waking them up until about 6.30. When Akilah went in to wake up O'Brien and Aisha, she walked into their room and saw O'Brien was sleeping in his bed, but Aisha was nowhere to be found. At first, Akilah thought that maybe she had just gotten out of bed, walked in the house somewhere that she didn't see. So she started walking around the house and seeing if Aisha was anywhere and she couldn't find her. And so Akilah's next thought was that maybe Aisha had gone over for some reason to her grandmother's house or her aunt's house. Akila had walked over to her mom's house and asked if Aisha was there as well as walked over to her sister's house and Aisha was not at either of the houses and that is when Akila flew into a full-blown panic mode. She immediately called 911 and that's when and the authorities showed up at about 6 40 that morning. By 7 o'clock that morning, Akilah had already gone to every single neighbor that lived in that neighborhood and knocked on their door asking if they had seen Aisha. This investigation and search for Aisha immediately fled into full force. The police brought search dogs in. Everyone in the community seemed to drop everything that they were doing to try to help find Aisha. She was a nine-year-old girl. She went missing in the middle of the night. Like, where did she go? Everyone was freaking out. And the first person that people really turned to to kind of help put pieces together was O'Brien because O'Brien slept in the same room as Aisha. And so they went to O'Brien. So the police went to O'Brien and asked if they saw or so the police went to O'Brien and asked if he had seen or heard anything strange happen in the middle of the night while he was sleeping. And he said that he didn't. The only thing that he said that he heard was at about 3.45 to 4.15 a.m., somewhere in that area. He said that he heard Aisha's bed squeak, but he thought that it was just her rolling over in her sleep. So he didn't think anything of it. By the end of February 14th of the year 2000, the first day that Aisha had gone missing, the only thing that was found was a mitten, which Akila said was not Aisha's because there was no missing winter clothes from her closet, so it couldn't have been Aisha's, so they were really left empty-handed at this point. So two days after Aisha first went missing on February 16th, Akila decided to go into Aisha's closet and see if there was anything out of the ordinary or see if anything was missing, kind of just check the room out, and when she went in there, she found that there were a couple things missing from Aisha's closet. Aisha's favorite pair of pants were missing as well as some shirts of hers and her backpack that she would normally take to school. All of those items were missing which definitely was a little bit confusing to Akilah and to the police at first. But like I said, this investigation really flew into full force right off the get-go, and then local news stations started to cover this case and the story, and so police were getting tips a lot. Police were getting a lot of tips from people that were calling in, saying they had seen Asia or something like that, but there were two truck drivers in particular who had said that they had seen Asia walking alone on the side of the highway. It was a highway 180 at about 4 o'clock in the morning. Now, mind you, 
This is four o'clock in the morning and the torrential downpour rain thunderstorm. It was raining so hard that morning. Aisha is nine years old. Why in the world is she walking along the highway at four o'clock in the morning by herself? Like, why is that happening? That's bizarre. But what's also crazy is that no one called this into the police. No one had reported to the police that there was a little girl walking along the highway at four o'clock in the morning which personally I just find a little bit crazy. There was one guy who said that he circled the highway a couple times just to see if he was like really seeing what he thought he was seeing, which was a little girl walking along the side of a highway. And he actually ended up going up to Asia, driving up to Asia, which apparently freaked her out so much that she turned and ran into the woods. And that is the last time anyone was reported to see Asia. So there's a lot of things here that don't make sense. A lot of things here that do not make sense. First of all, Aisha is nine years old. So I feel like a lot of kids when they're young and they are angry about things or things like that, they decide to run away, which at this point was the police's kind of story for this. They thought, okay, she was seen walking along the side of the highway at four o'clock in the morning by herself. She had run away. But why? When I looked up the statistics of runaways, runaways usually start around the age of 12. And even when you do run away as a kid, it's not like you're thinking you're nine years old, you're gonna run away forever and never come home. Like I did try to run away once when I was a kid and I think I went to my front yard and back. But I, my point is, is that when you're that young, you're not, you might think in your mind, like I'm leaving, like I'm not coming back, but you always do. And so to go so far out as to the highway 180 and start to walk the highway by yourself at night, that is absolutely mind blowing to me. I can't get over that. And also the fact that there were cars passing by, I think that makes me really, really frustrated is that there were cars passing by. People have claimed to have seen her and no one called in about her. Like, why is no one calling in about her? There's a little girl walking along the side of the highway. No one calls in, no one. People were now looking at this runaway thing and thinking, okay, she ran away. But now, like I said, the question is why? And the only theory that people could come up with was that basketball game that I had mentioned earlier. The fact that she was super excited about this basketball game, she was super passionate about it, and then it ended up not going in the direction that she wanted it to. Her team lost, she was very upset about it, and decided that was her reasoning for running away. The, the thing that I have a problem with about that is it was three days prior or two days prior something like that and by that point like kids forget about those things they're not like super hung up about it still i mean maybe asia was i don't know but that's just the only thing it's not like it happened that night and she went home she was super upset packed a bag and left it was it happened two days prior and she didn't show any signs of still being upset about it she seemed to get over it fairly quickly because she watched her brother play a basketball game and seemed fine like I said, she could have been still super upset about it and just not shown anyone, but it just does seem very extreme to me. That's just my opinion. I don't know. Um, the possibility of this being an abduction was never really looked into as far as the reason she left the house. And no information has been released to the public about that either. So there very well could be people of interest and suspects that the public just doesn't know about yet. But as far as publicly, has it been talked about that she could have been abducted from her house? No. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that O'Brien stayed in the same room as her. Now, there have been times where siblings share the same room and you know, people still come in and abduct children and the other person and the other child that is sleeping in the room. But this was never really looked at as a possibility, I think, because of the fact that these two truck drivers have claimed to have seen Aisha walking along the side of the road at four o'clock in the morning by herself. 
I think it still is something that should be questioned of, okay, maybe she was lured out by someone that she knew. Maybe it was a family friend. Did anyone else have any keys to the house? There was no signs of forced entry, but at the same time, what if it was a family friend who had been eyeing Aisha for a while and decided to target her this one night and had this elaborate plan and has just gotten away with it? Like that is very well a possibility. I also go back though and think, okay, if O'Brien was able to hear her bed squeak at about like 3.45 to 4.15 in the morning, he's clearly not the heaviest sleeper in the world if he can hear the bed squeak. Um, and so obviously I feel like if someone came into the house and came into the room and woke Aisha up and tried to take her, I feel like he would be able to hear that. So this is kind of another little interesting fact that just kind of falls into this whole thing is that Aisha, so she was in fourth grade and she was reading at school, her class was reading a book and the book was basically about these kids who run away. And when they run away, they end up going to this like adventure, spontaneous and life is great. And a lot of people or some people think that that could have had something to do with it and that could have like started or sparked something in her that made her want to run away and try this and whatever. But at the same time, you have to remember what I said in the beginning of how Aisha was described and she was described as a very cautious, shy girl. So it was unlike her character to just completely up and run away from home in the middle of the night without any reason, you know? Seeing that she was very aware of her surroundings and that she was cautious about what she was doing and who she was with, it doesn't seem very like her. And then on February 17th, the police had their first possible break in this case. So February 17th was just three days after Aisha went missing. And when the two phone calls came in from the truck drivers who had claimed to have seen Aisha walking on the Highway 180, obviously the police had then focused their search around that area. And when they were searching in that area, they found this shed. And when they went into this shed, they found a couple different items. The first thing that they found when they walked in were candy wrappers. And after these candy wrappers, they ended up finding a couple more items. The first one being a Minnie Mouse hair bow, as well as a pen and a pencil. Now, everything else, the only thing here that really matters is the Minnie Mouse hair bow that is easily identifiable for anyone to know. Like, yeah, like that's my kid's hair bow or that's mine or whatever. And Aisha's parents were able to confirm that that Minnie Mouse hair bow was Aisha's. And so that kind of put together a little piece of this puzzle for everyone as to, okay, this, she was here. Like she was in the shed at some point. Then what happened? That was the next question everyone had. After them finding those items in the shed, the case just kind of went cold for a little bit. There was no new information. There was no new evidence, no new leads, nothing. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Well, Apartments.com's Instant Alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let Apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, Apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, Apartments Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Fast forward to August 2001, so we're now about a year and a half after Aisha first went missing. 
There was a construction worker working on a construction site in a little town called Morganton, which is about 25 to 30 miles away from Shelby. So a decent length, a decent distance away from where Aisha is from. But while this construction worker was working that day, he found this trash bag or actually two trash bags because inside these two trash bags was Aisha's backpack. So Aisha's backpack had been wrapped twice. So wrapped in two different trash bags, which definitely makes you think that whoever wrapped Aisha's backpack in these two trash bags didn't want anyone to find it i mean i feel like there are other ways that you can hide a book bag and hide a backpack um, without anyone finding it but i guess this was the way that they decided to do it they wrapped it in two trash bags to make it less noticeable but what they found inside the backpack is what is more interesting and more telling in this case inside this backpack they found aisha's clothing as well as her basketball uniform and pictures of her family now i think the most telling thing here is her basketball uniform i think that the basketball uniform being found in the bag really does kind of say something and kind of makes the first theory that we talked about a little bit more plausible which was that she was upset about her basketball game and decided to leave. I also want to talk about where this bag was found. This bag was found about 25 to 30 miles away from Shelby. That is a very decent distance. That is not a walkable distance for a nine-year-old girl. So then I feel like this is more of a question of how did she get there and if she took a car, whose car did she take? Aisha's book bag was handed over to the FBI who had ran tests on all of the things that were in the book bag as well as the book bag itself, but none of that information has ever been released to the public, so we really don't know what they found out of it. So now fast forward to 2016. So now we're talking about 16 years after Aisha was last seen. The FBI released a statement saying that they were working with different leads in this case and they were still nonstop searching for Aisha and searching for answers as to what had happened to her. According to the FBI, there were multiple tips that had came in, and throughout all of these tips, there were two reoccurring pieces of information that kept coming in. And those two tips were the fact that Aisha had gotten into a car. Aisha was seen getting into a car, and those cars were either a 1970 Lincoln Continental Mark IV in a dark green color, or a Ford Thunderbird made around the same 1970 time frame. When police first released this information, they were getting tips daily, which is obviously amazing and great. None of that information has been released to the public so we don't know about any leads regarding that so then as far as the latest updates in this case the latest information in this case um, there were two new clues or two new pieces of information that were released in 2018 the first clue was that in one of these search parties that had been recently conducted last year there had actually been a library book found and this library book was checked out from Asia's elementary school the book was called McElligot's Pool I'm pretty sure it's a Dr. Seuss book and unfortunately though the library records don't go back 19 years so they can't go back and see who checked out that book. So the police asked the public and told the public that if anyone out there had known someone who had this book at that time or checked out this book at that time, or if someone had this book or if they had this book and it went missing, anything regarding this book really, the police had asked the public to contact them immediately regarding that. The second piece of information that was released was regarding a New Kids on the Block concert merchandise shirt. So the police found a shirt from a New Kids on the Block concert Clearly, it was in an area where police believe that is connected to Aisha's case. So the police had asked the public that if they knew anyone with that shirt to come forward and say something about it, or if they saw anyone wearing that shirt, or just anything regarding that shirt in general, similar to the book, to come forward and say something. I think what's really important to remember in this case is that 
Asia is still alive until proven otherwise. I know a lot of people would think that that's a silly hope to hold on to after 19 years, but I think it's so important to think that way because you should never ever give up hope. And I think that in this case, there's a lot of missing holes. Obviously, there's a lot of missing links and there are a lot of questions. I think that there are a couple different things that could have happened. I think the first theory here is that she was really upset about the basketball game and she played it off really well. And she decided that she was going to run away that night. She pre-packed a bag, got up at around 3.45 that morning and walked out of her house. And when she walked out of her house, she may have run into the wrong person at the wrong time. Or maybe it was the book that she was reading in school and she decided it would be a cool idea to run away and maybe have the same experience that she was reading about in the book. And once she did go out, she again ran into this wrong person at the wrong time. As far as an abduction, I think it still is something to be looked at as far as, you know, Aisha being lured out of her house by someone who she either knew or didn't know. I lean more towards the fact that maybe it could be of someone that she knew or that her family knew just because she was such a cautious person. Um, the only thing that kind of makes me a little bit questioning about that theory is just that she shared the room with O'Brien and he didn't hear anything that night. I definitely think with all cases, Someone either saw something or someone heard something or someone knows someone who knows something. There is information out there that either hasn't been released to the public yet or hasn't been released to the authorities yet because we are still searching for Asia to this day. And I think that it is so important because this case is unsolved and it has been so many years and police are still working really, really hard to try to solve this case to continue to put her name out there, to spread her story and to continue to talk about it because the more you talk about it, the more and the bigger possibility it is that this can hopefully be solved one day. And I do want to say that even though it was so long ago, and a lot of people could probably think like, oh, like this little detail wouldn't make a difference because like it's so stupid. It's like, no, like it's so much better to report a detail that you think is stupid and have it come out to be nothing than keep something to yourself that you think is tiny and dumb and didn't like matter at all when it really could be the missing link to a puzzle here. And I just think that that's super important to remember in this case and any case. And if you're scared of someone or something and you're worried about remaining anonymous, they have anonymous tip lines. You can call in and report something anonymously. Tip the police off to someone anonymously. That's super important to remember. So I definitely, definitely, definitely want to just kind of like let you guys know that. I know you're probably very familiar with that, but it's always good to just to have that reminder, especially when we're dealing with a case like this. So with that being said, you guys, that is all from me today. I hope you guys enjoyed another episode of Killer Instincts. If you're watching me on my channel, thank you so much for watching. And if you're listening to me on my podcast, thank you you so much for listening and I will be back in a couple days with a brand new video and I will see you next week. If you're new here make sure you hit that subscribe button that way you never miss an episode and I will see you guys next week. Bye guys!